title of my sermon today is How Do I Know That God Loves Me? Our first choir song this morning was Wonder of It All That God Loves Me. And then the last choir song they sang was Calvary's Love. And it brings us to the question of well, how do I know that God loves me? I know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I know that he loves the world. But how do I know that he loves me? You know, the world has over, what, about five billion people now. Out of five billion people, how do I know God loves me? You know, everybody wants to be loved. Even in the children's department, we usually try to instruct our teachers, workers. When you have an unruly child, child that is almost undisciplined, you wonder what in the world are we going to do with him usually that kid is craving attention he wants love he wants real honest to goodness love and I have observed that as people face life if they cannot find true honest love we substitute, we substitute true love for just attention. Oftentimes deceiving and being deceived. Trying to make someone or letting someone make us believe that we are truly loved. But there will come a time in our life sooner or later that in our doubting and unbelieving mind, we, we come to the place where we will begin to think, well, maybe God does not love me. Because if God loved me, and then we have all of these host of causes and reasons, uh, why, why does God let me get sick? Why did God take away my father? Why did God take away my child? If God loves me, why did I lose my job? If God loved me, why why did this other person get to be valedictorian instead of me? Oh, we have a million different things that the devil will bring to us in our doubting and unbelieving mind if God loves me. Now, there's two things I want to mention today. The first of all is that only the Bible can give you assurance that He loves you. Only the Word of God. This is because, first of all, the, the world can't. The world. There's absolutely nothing in this world, earthly, material, physical, that will give you the assurance that God loves you. 
Though we may be carried away with all of the beautiful poetry about the sinking sunsets and the rising sunrises, we may get all goosey-bumped when we go up in the mountain and smell the fresh air and the cool, cool breeze. But there's absolutely nothing in this world, in the nature, in the system, the universe, the order, all of the stars and all of the moon and the sun and, and all of the fabulous things that are in this world. There's not one thing in this world that can give you assurance that God loves you. All of this can teach us that there is a God, but it does not teach us redemption. It does not teach us about heaven. It does not teach us about hell. There are many other things that it does not teach us. There may be many things that the world and the system and the environment and all of the things of nature can teach us. But among the things that it does not teach us is love. The love of God. It does not, it does not speak of the love of God. This is the dog eat dog world in which we live in. This, we live in a cycle. You know, you've seen the, you've seen the cycles in biology and school where that the birds eat the bugs, the worms. And along comes an animal and eats the bird. And along comes man and eats the animal. And along comes the worm and eats the man. <laughs> I mean, it just goes back and forth. I mean, it's a, it's a process of life and death and from life comes, uh, from, from death comes life and life comes death and you just got a cycle. And you don't find the love of God. You may find many things that you enjoy. And I believe that is right and good. But it will not teach you about the love of God. It will not teach you. And uh, your health does not teach you about the love of God. Many people begin to think God does not love them because their health is gone. Why was I born crippled? Why was I born blind? Why was I even born? And we talk about our health, we talk about our wealth. If God loves me, why am I so poor and they are so rich? Why is it that Brother Eni and I, we have to be very careful about our budget and let old Michael Jackson, he runs around with millions of pesos or millions of dollars in his pocket to throw away. If God loves Brother Eni and I, how come he doesn't give us all that money? That's probably evidence he does love us. But your health and your wealth and your circumstances. If God is a God, a God of justice... Why are some people born in the Hottentot tribe 
and some are born in the palace of England. Tell me that. That's a circumstance. Why, do you, why if God loves me and I've worked so hard to be successful and it seems that I'm a flop and a failure, which by the way is no reason to think that God has called you to preach. And on the other hand, just because you are successful is no evidence that God has not called you to preach. If God loves me, how come I, I don't have a husband or a wife? And other people say, if God loves me, how come I got the man I do? I'm sure Mrs. Schott could use that. Or... Experience. What does experience teach you? Your experiences will not teach you the love of God, I guarantee you that. Are you experienced in fixing this thing? Oh yes, I've had lots of experience. There's a lot of difference between having a lot of experience and being experienced. <laughs> I've had, I've talked to people who were very, had many experiences on, on fixing things that didn't work, that never did work. <laughs> And uh, they, they every every time they have a job, they get more experience, but they don't get any more experience. Your experiences will not teach you the love of God. Now, if you're depending upon your health and your wealth to show you how that God loves you, oh, I know God loves me because He helped me win the sweepstakes. Huh. None of these can assure you that God loves you. All of our high technologies, they're so worried about the computer bug. I just looked at Mrs. Schott's camera. And the date on it is 13000. How about that? It didn't have a millennial bug in it. By the way, the bug that got into our computer this last week was not a millennial bug. If it was, why, uh, Brother Ellie killed it or something. Anyhow, he put it back together and it's working again. So we'll get our reports next week, the Lord willing, and Jackie does her job. All right, now, to say, uh, only the Bible can give you assurance because the world cannot. And it is also because assurance that he loves you is a matter of faith. Only of faith. If you're standing on any other reason, if you think God loves you because you're so good looking, how come I think God loves me? No, only God's Word can give you the assurance, I mean real faith, faith that saves, faith that assures, and faith that is going to be or it has been tested already. Faith that is real 
will be tested. I believe this is why that so many people who who think or they talk about having faith in Jesus Christ, when the first little temptation comes along or the first trial comes along, they're gone. They quit. You know why? Because they fail the test. They fail the test. I don't believe there are as many backsliders as we think there are. I'm afraid that there are many more members of the church that are not saved than what they or we think about. Because God looks upon the heart and it is not just an outward appearance that you may be able to give or you may make some kind of a profession of faith at one particular time, but it never changes your life. My friend, something deep is wrong. When you go to school and you take an examination, you flunk. At least you should be put back to do it over again. Trouble is, too many teachers don't want you in their class again, so they just pass you. And they keep passing you until you finally graduate and you still can't read and write. You can't add up. You can't figure out what your tithe would be. You can't figure out what the first day of the week is. You can't read your clock because you can't get to church on time. My friend, there's a lot of flunking going on out in the world and we just casually float along and thinking, well, anyhow, God loves me. But there will come a time in your life that you say, how do I know that God loves me? Because the heart longs for that for sure that God loves me. And we find that Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It does not come by your money, it does not come by your acquaintances, it does not come by your health or your wealth, does not come by your wisdom. It does not come any other way but by the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible tells us history and science can back it up. If history and science does not agree with the Bible, I believe the Bible. I don't care what the so-called scientists say. I don't care what they may write in history. Men can change, leave out, they can twist historical events, but the truth of the Word of God is backed up by almost all of the history that you can read and all of the science that is really science. There's, there's one thought that God tells us. He tells us that He loves us. For God so loved the world. In First John, Share a few scriptures with me, please. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Overcome who? Well, according to the context, it's talking about false teachers. Because greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. The next time you say, I can't, when God tells you to do something, or if God tells you not to do something and you say, well, I just, I just can't obey, then you remember this verse, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Either he is not in you or you are lying. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is is common to man, but God is faithful, who will with the temptation make a way to escape. As we read on, verse 5, they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, doesn't matter how many they are. And the world heareth them, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that is that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now that love is pure love. It is not the lust of the flesh. It is not just the sentimental love of a mother to a child. It is the pure love of God. And you can read about the love of God because in verse 8 it says, uh, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That means that which will please God. God who has been offended by our sins and our sin, He is brought in reconciliation with us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing that we can offer God will God accept except His Son, Jesus Christ. We find He is our propitiation. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. You say, oh, well, I've got Dachan Manga Barkata that I love. Yeah, but you don't love, maybe you don't love me. You love them, but you don't love me. Be careful now. When you become so selective in your affection and your consideration and your love and appreciation, you have to be careful because God so loved the world. All right? Uh, he goes on down here and tells us some more of these verses. In verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. 
verse 19, we love Him because we are so good. No, we love Him because He first loved us. Now, in the love of God, to show that God loves us, let me give you a few things. Very quickly. We have baptizing today. We have a good number of people to be baptized. First of all, we know that in God loves us and what the Bible says, that God gave His Son. God gave His Son, and we find in John 1.14, in birth. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, that's Christ, was made flesh. That's the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. God sent His Son. And we find in John 3.16 that God gave His Son in life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a passage that we use so many times, and here it tells us how that God gave His Son in life for approximately 33 and a half years, he left heaven's glory. He came into this sinful world. And yet this, this God's Son, this Son of God, He was God in the flesh. He was God-man. He was not God and man, He was God-man. He was God's Son. He never ceased to be God's Son. But He took upon Himself a human body. And that body He took upon Himself was for eternity. Imagine how, how the Creator became in the likeness of His creation. This is a matter of humbling. This is a matter of humility. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us. In other words, on the cross, God Himself put upon Jesus Christ your sin, my sin. The sin of Adam, the sin of every man, woman, boy, and girl that's come into the world since that time. God laid on Him the sin of us all. Who knew no sin for thirty-three and a half years. Contrary to what the entertaining world of today and many of the religions of the world today, they try to make Jesus as a sinner. They try to make Him as a hypocrite. They tried, they tried to make him as an illegitimate child. They tried to make him the lover of Mary Magdalene. Oh, of all the filth that spews out of hell itself. And the Bible simply says, He who knew no sin, He knew no sin. He never committed a sin. When He stood before Pilate, 
and challenged him. Where have I sinned? He could not find anybody. Could not. I'd never do that. I'd never stand before anybody and say, I challenge you to point your finger at one sin I've committed in my life. I'd never do that. I'm not that foolish. I may be dumb, but I'm not that foolish. No, my friend, Jesus never committed one sin. He who knew no... He, the Bible says, for He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's in life. Not only that, according to John chapter 5, in the book of John chapter 5, verse 12 through 13, we find that God gave His Son in death. God gave His Son in death. I'm sorry, John 15. John 15, not John 5. This is my commandment. That you love one another. Well, that, that's, that's, that's not so bad if we love one another as they love us. But that next statement sinks me. As I have loved you. As I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. Now read with me to Romans. I told you that you read the Word of God and it will assure you that God loves you. Not just the world, but you. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 through 8. And hope, having her hope, maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Are, are you, have you been the ungodly? For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us how that God not only gave His Son in birth and in life and even in death, but also in resurrection. Chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. But now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of His knowledge, Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet Savior of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 2. I was wondering what was... Wrong with my reading there. Chapter 5. But that was a good verse. For the love of Christ constraineth us, 
because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not live, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Today we have baptizing. And people who are put underneath the water and brought up again, that is their testimony that they are trusting by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as the preacher usually says, buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in newness of life. And if you've been dead with Christ and raised with Christ, why are you having so much trouble walking in the newness of life? Are you trying to walk a life that you do not have? You're trying to live a life that you do not have? You're trying to be what you are not? It is a very difficult, if not an impossible thing to do. In the eyes of mankind, those that are around you, you may put on a front and you may fool everybody like Judas did until he hung himself, sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But he never did fool Jesus. He never did fool God. And today you may fool everyone else, but there are two persons you are not fooling. Number one, you're not deceiving, you're not fooling God. And second of all, you know you're not fooling yourself. As we go on, God gave His Son. Time does not permit me to go into Scriptures on each one of these, but God gave His Son with promises. With promises. You find the verses that back up these promises, and you will find faith growing in your heart. God gave His promise of salvation and peace. I can testify to that. He gave us a promise of assurance and knowledge. Right after I got saved, I knew I was saved. The day I got saved, the moment I got saved, there was a peace that passeth all understanding. When God saved me, I had the assurance that I was saved. I knew I was saved. I went to work the next day as a mechanic down in Okino, Oklahoma. I got to telling people that I got saved. And one fellow says, how do you know? Well, he had me stumped. I didn't know what to say. I just said, well, I know I'm saved. He said, you can't know you're saved. He was an old uh, Christian church member. One of the deacons over there. One of the first deacons. And he was my foreman. Made it worse than that. <laughs> I just crawled back under the car and I said, well, I know I'm saved. <laughs> I didn't want to argue with him, but I knew that I was saved. He later in the week told me, he said, now, now, shot, you need to come to our church and get baptized because you can't really be saved until you're baptized in a Christian church. I said, no, 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 I'm baptized already. Well, he said, you... Your baptism no good. I said, I don't know about my baptism being good, but I know I got saved, and I'm a member of a Baptist church, 
And above that, I don't know much else. Except I know that there's some things that are in my heart that are not there anymore. It was while I was in Okina, Oklahoma that I went down to the usual place where that I usually took my supper and I usually had a hamburger and a beer. That day I ordered a hamburger, well done, described what I wanted on it, and the waitress looked at me and she said, you'll have your usual Miller High Life. And I said, no. I said, uh, just uh, give me a glass of water. So I said, uh, uh, I got saved. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian. She looked at me and she tore off the tab and she said, what in the blankety-blank are you doing in here then? I said, I came in to eat a hamburger. I didn't know what in the world was wrong. Sure, there was a Falstaff sign outside and there was a row of drunks on the counter, and but they served good hamburgers. And I couldn't figure out why in the world I can't eat a hamburger without drinking a bottle of beer since I got saved. And before I left that place, that old place was almost in an uproar. Because simply I got saved. I, I didn't know what in the world was wrong with him. I left. I went to the other place and got me a hamburger that was not half as good as that one, but at least I had a hamburger and a piece of pie and started to gain weight. I later found out why I should not have been there. That that waitress knew all the time that I shouldn't have been there. And I don't know why she didn't tell me that. But anyhow, I got saved. And, and uh, they couldn't understand that I got saved. I knew about it. I had the assurance. I had the knowledge. And then as you begin to study your Bible, you find out and you begin to depend upon God's promises of provision and care. He said, I'll supply your need. I'll take care of you. And then God says, I'll always be with you. And when you have problems, I will comfort you. Those are promises in the Word of God. And then He said, I'll give you hope of heaven. And I have that hope. I have the hope because it comes by faith. I haven't seen heaven. I've been up in airplanes. I've gone as high as Forty some thousand feet in a in a jet, but I, I uh, there's still farther to go. People that have scanned, gone around the world, went out into orbit. They looked through the universe out there, and they couldn't find God anywhere. My friend, the old theologian Doctor Bancroft said. He said, "So and so searched the skies with his his." Uh, telescope and he said he never saw God anywhere. Dr. Bancroft said he might as well have swept his kitchen looking for God. Might as well have swept his kitchen looking for God as to try to find God through the telescope or the periscope. Yes, periscopes on the submarine. Telescopes on the, on the, for the astronauts. God loves you. God loves you. There's not a person here today that God doesn't love you. Now, He may be the only one that does love you. I've seen people that I've looked at and I've shook my head. And I said, honey, that kid has a face 
that only a mother could love. And I've seen, I've seen people act to where that I, I just said, I, I'll bet anything in the world, there's nobody that loves that person. And yet, you have to back up and say, no, God loves that person. And God put His love in me. And I am obligated. I'm obligated to love that person. And some of you are easier to love than others. But God loves every person here today. No matter who you are, how big you are, how little you are, how ugly you are, how pretty you are, how poor you are, how dumb you are, how rich you are, how smart you are, how successful you are, how much of a failure you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, God loves you. And all the people said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love me. And I can say with assurance today, if God loves me, He can love you. And if God can save me, He can save you. Shall we stand for prayer? There's one thing I didn't tell you though. God loves you, but He's going to send you to hell if you don't receive His love. This is why Jesus said, Come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God loved us. He planned our salvation. His Son died on the cross for us. He made the salvation complete. He said it is finished. He said He's going away. He's coming again. And then He said, if you want to be in heaven with me, you come. Come unto me and I'll give you rest. If you're going to be saved, you repent of your sin. You believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If not, he that believeth hath eternal life. He that believeth not shall be damned. Our Heavenly Father, speak to each heart. If we're here today and we have not accepted your Son as our Savior, help us to do so this morning. And people that who claim to be saved, I pray, dear God, that they may, by their lives, show that they love and obey Thee for Jesus' sake. Amen. Page 270 in your songbook, Just As I Am. Will you come as we sing the first verse? personal workers come will you come been saved and want to follow the Lord in baptism, come. You want to be saved, come. Personal workers, 
Where's our personal workers today? Come, please. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. I come. As we sing the next verse, will you come? Just as I am. you today. Let God have his way in your heart and life. Maybe you need to present yourself for baptism. If you need to come to present yourself for baptism and join the church, why I do so at this time, we're going to sing one more verse and we're extending it to you that have never been saved, that you might come to be saved. God does love you, and we love you. We want to see you saved. But there's only one person that can make sure that you are saved, and that's yourself. God said, He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So if you come, He'll save. Will you come as we sing? Next verse. Will you come? You may be seated just for a moment, please. 